You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment... Oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Sony pays in-debt artists. Planning for pandemics. And do charts really matter? You're listening to The Biz Tape. Welcome to episode 38 of The Biz Tape, your all things music business and media podcast. I am your host, Joe, with my co-host, Colin. Colin, what's up? Nothing much, man. It's weird being this way now because I feel like I'm like performing. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Well, I feel like it's good. It'll get us kind of like. Yeah, that'll be good. I, there's going to be a juggling bit in the middle of the show for the <laughs> video users only. Uh, yeah. You know. Um, yeah. If we start a Patreon, we'll just do different tiers of your juggling skills. Oh, God. And then you'll have to do different objects. Yeah. It's like, here, I've grown enough to throw in the chainsaw. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, Joe, yeah, it's good to be back. Uh, got some new digs, and there's a bunch of stuff yeah, you going got, on. I'm, I'm digging this outfit. I know. Oh, our audio listeners love us. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, if you want to be part of the video folk, uh, BizTay Podcast at YouTube. Uh, Biz Tape Podcast at YouTube. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at the Biz Tape and email the Biz Tape Podcast at gmail.com with all your fun little bits. Love talking to y'all. Yeah. Collins have been killing it on Instagram, just getting those polls. Yeah. And that will come into play in this first story. So I thought it'd be fun to talk about charts. Ooh. The, so, f- the f- most favorite thing all music business So charts love. are interesting, right? Because charts are used to base like success quote unquote yeah you know that's how you base success so i saw an article about them talking about when SoundScan was introduced in 1991 
which if you're nerdy about charts like I am, a lot of the time that's like where most records will like kind of date it. They'll be like post-1991, all these, you know, crazy uh, record-breaking moments happen because it used to work really weird. So I thought I'd talk about it a little bit and then we'd open it up into more conversation. So basically, if you don't know, SoundScan is the primary company. Now they're called MRC uh, and they collect music data basically on sales. So streaming now, but also physicals. So at the time in 1991, they had this huge system of like weird things going on with chart. Like Billboard used to do this weird, like they described it as Heisman-esque voting system where almost like they would take this information from mom and pop stores and like huge stores, like a Walmart, for instance. And then based on that, like different songs and albums would get different different points basically almost so is it kind of like a survey yeah and so they would have to self-report on that and there was a whole thing about them saying like oh we did this and they really didn't and stuff like that or there was also issues with weighting because it was like a weighted system it wasn't very uh number analytical based so sometimes mom and pop stores compared to like a walmart for instance it would think it you know would come to stand that Walmart would have thousands upon thousands of, you know, sales compared to like a one mom and pop store. Yeah. And so you think it would be like, Oh, they're weighted thousands upon thousands of times more. They were not, (laughs) they were like three to four times more. So like the charts used to be wacky Mm -hmm. back in 1991 and nobody knew it, which is kind of going to go into our first thing about this is that charts are, we talked about a little bit of this off mic, Charts are kind of like how the law works where it's illegal if somebody says it's illegal. So it's like charts are like it's popular because the charts defined it as popular. Right. Yeah. So in 1991, when they introduced SoundScan, which SoundScan, the most notable thing with it is that it created a system of barcodes. So computers could analytically go, oh, they scan this across here and register the sale without human input. The charts went nuts. People were going up, people were going down. And one of the most notable things that people noticed was that all these albums and all these genres were profitable where people were like, you don't, you don't make money on that. Yeah. Notable ones such as country music, uh, rap music, hip hop music, uh, get really topical new Jack swing in 1991 or 1991. Uh, and then it astronomical gains on the chart but then vice versa there were charts just like hitting down so far these songs would be like number 23 and they go to number 97 some like notable examples which i joe's gonna find hilarious because of how different sides of the world this is garth brooks roping on the wind went to number one on the albums chart which people were like what a country album went to number one yeah because that was unheard of then this is also if you're a big country fan where 90s country music comes into play and becomes the behemoth these charts help that Mm-hmm. happen same time completely different side of the world basically we had nwa with their second album <laughs> yeah garth brooks and nwa the most yeah you know two peas in a pod group uh they debuted at number two on the album chart and they didn't even have a number one single in the hot 100 at all mm-hmm. which was crazy at the time because that used to be the only way to be number one to give you a sense of how weird and skewed it was so as Joe and I had talked about on our Instagram, I asked people, I said, 
do you feel charts accurately portray like consumer opinion? Like yeah, what's popularity? Popular? I mean, so Joe, I'm going to open up to you. Do you think that charts are accurately portraying what is popular? Um, I, it's so I, I think it's hard to say. So with, first off, it's really easy math to yeah. understand charts. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no. Um, but it, it is hard to say because these charts are obviously, as we've seen, they have been skewed towards certain aspects of what is considered a sale, what's considered popular, that kind of stuff. Um, I think in the grand scheme of popularity nowadays, I don't think they do accurately display it a lot of the times because people can get a shit ton of streams and they maybe are on the, like the top 10, they should be number one because of how many streams they've gotten. Right. It's like a Drake album or something. Right. It's like insane numbers the first week. But if someone manages to do more physical sales than the stream numbers, which is way easier to do, I, I guess like it's way easier to inflate the numbers that way. Right. Through because, because you have to use, yeah, you have to use uh, what, what are called a track equivalent albums and stream equivalent albums and stuff. And so you have to stream a song multiple times to ne necessitate what one album sale is. But also I, I kind of want to counter that a little bit because I feel like at the same time they, they do worked. inflate. Yeah, they do work. And we talked about maybe, I don't know, probably in November, I think, when Billboard changed their rules with merch, which uh, Billboard charts are industry standard charts. That's what most people will look at. And Billboard did a huge thing where, and we talked about this, if it accurately portrays opinion there. Yeah, where they stopped bundles. So so album bum bundles and what artists would potentially do, such as like Taylor Swift, um, would be like, hey... I have an arena show, you bought a ticket, but guess what? Because you bought a ticket, you also bought my album. And then that would count into the record sale yeah. and it would inflate numbers. And a lot of big artists were doing this. Um, and like you said, Billboard did change the rules in that regard where you had to be... You had to show that it was extra money yeah. that was being added for an album. So like you, if in this case, usually what why I said merch is usually merch was a huge factor in charts. Mm -hmm. So people like Ariana Grande were getting huge chart boosts because basically they would go, you get Ariana's shirt in the album. Yep. And people in marketing and managers would literally just eat the cost of CDs. Mm -hmm. Because they want that number one spot, which I actually want to butt in before I go to our next kind of question about this. Uh, f Joe, you were with most of our fans over on Instagram. 58% of them said no. Charts do not ac accurately portray what is popular to the public. Yeah, I don't because I think I think charts, especially the music industry charts, can be easily skewed because they have been skewed for so long. So and, I see that. And I would like it to where it's not as skewed. So I feel like it's almost like going back to my law example is kind of like, it's a very delicate system at play. And it's almost like the law where it's like, if you start messing with it too fast, people start going crazy. Yeah, You know what I mean? So what I'm trying to say with that is, I don't know necessarily what the solution to try to make it more fair, quote unquote, like, or more accurate. Let's go with accurate to public opinion. And so that's kind of the other question is, do we think artists and just people in general should rely more on trying to gauge, Oh, this is a popular thing based on more specific charts. 
So like, let's say a hot country chart versus, you know, hot 100. Yeah. Because it's extremely or like top 10 viral or something like that. So like, do we feel like that's more accurate because it's compared to its peers, quote unquote, as opposed to everything in the world? Yeah. I mean, I I think that's another, (laughs) I'm going to kind of take the middle of the road again with that because I, I think it's different depending on each chart, right? Like the right. qualifications of each chart is different. Yeah. There's um, a bunch of garbage charts. If you guys don't know yeah, about that, I mean, where you're like, what the well, hell is this of, chart? And that's another thing. A lot of the charts are created for a PR boost. You know, in, in my opinion, I think some of the charts shouldn't even exist because there's just so many like random, very, very, obscure charts you, you know, feel like it's like, devaluing the aspect of being on a chart which i i hold that opinion yeah i do i do honestly how um, many here's a question for listeners but also joe how many people do you know that say like i'm on the chart and they kind of extrapolate what that means so what i mean by that is they go we're on the chart and then you don't specify what chart it is. I think this is very important. A lot of people will do this and they'll go, we're number four on the chart. And then you go look on it and you're like, well, you're on your genre specific chart. Yeah. You're not number four. So I always get on people for that. Cause I feel like it's a, you know, misrepresentation to people because, but also going into that, that shows how valuable this chart data is. So being on the chart is almost as valuable as having as much sales that the chart necessitates to be at that spot. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like the Grammys that right. we talked about before, whether or not the Grammys job is to take the popular songs or the popular, you know, people and make them the winners. It's kind of the same thing, except this is a lot more numbers heavy than I feel like the Grammys are. I also feel like the point of these charts compared to the Grammys is innately to show public and consumer habits. Yeah. Um, And that's kind of why I would differentiate it from the Grammys, because I feel like you can get into the Grammys argument, and we've talked about it before, is saying that the Grammys are to showcase artistically, like from a critic perspective, what we think is the best based on people who have very trained years or in the industry, but also public opinion is a little bit, it's more of a mixture, but I feel like charts are innately supposed to be, Oh, the general public, everybody everywhere believes this opinion. And so it's supposed to be almost more transparent in that way. I feel like, yeah. As opposed to the Grammys where it's like, well, you know, these critics or whatever, they believed it and they're, accredited quote unquote you know so it's in this weird middle ground with it which i think is really interesting and so do we think that the music industry should put this much emphasis on charts i you know i i think it depends what part of the music industry you're in to be honest because each like you know if you go to a metal band they they don't give a shit about the charts right but a country act does care about the charts right but this is where i'm going into and i feel like it's a very fine line if you say and it kind of goes into being the king of your castle as opposed to being king of the world Mm -hmm. so it's like do you want to be on top of this small hill right and small in reference to what i'm gonna grow into so like let's say you the world stage of music being a popular person is the world the giant example the macro in this yeah do you want to be the micro like the king of the castle of the metal genre let's say and you're on the top of the metal charts 
You know, then what I, I, mean? I mean, it doesn't hurt. It does not hurt, and it I don't hurt. But I don't think it has really a negative. I guess unless you're but fans a band. don't care. Like right. metal fans aren't going to care about metal charts. that's a good point it is genre specific i have seen especially since we live in nashville people in nashville really care about that hot country oh absolutely chart. they do yeah and so this and this is where i get a lot of my uh misrepresenting examples is these people i'm number six on the chart and you're like you can't just say that you have to <laughs> clarify and like some of them are more egregious like at least sometimes i can be like you're a country artist you're gonna be on the country chart i can get that information i can understand based on what your position is and what you do but some of them are more obscure charts and they'll be like we're number three and i'm like you it's can't like, just say that that's really like irresponsible in my opinion gaze country chart <laughs> yeah and my old joke that i usually tell joe is and i use it as a motto for life is if the award has more adjectives it's a worse award yeah like, I, yeah probably joe you are the best podcaster at a brown table in this apartment named Joe. Wow. I'm right. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Is like that's an example of what I'm talking about is the more adjectives you put on it, the smaller thing. Now I think there's a balance of that argument, going back to my thing of being, you know, king of your castle, king of the micro. If you're, you know, number one on the country chart or number one on the metal chart or electronic chart, it's like, hell yeah. You know what I mean? That's a that's a big deal. But when people try to I don't like when people try to escape it and try to, I feel like in the public zeitgeist, it isn't really easy for people to understand that there's a bunch of charts. That's why they call it the chart a lot of the time. Yeah. So I feel like well, it's, it's very like, irresponsible to it's go always on like that the route. billboard chart, right? Right. They're like I made the billboard chart and then the, you go on billboard site and the billboard has like 300 charts. But I, I think what we're missing I guess that we haven't talked about yet is how its implication is for artists in artist deals, because that is a huge, it's leverage, it's leverage. And it also helps a lot with, I mean, any kind of publicity that an artist wants to do any PR stuff. Do you feel, here's a quick one. Do you feel like people should, if you're like a label or a manager or something, you're trying to sign somebody over to one of those deals. Do you feel like you care more about their social media or do you care more about their charting? I think that if if I would well, how big of a label I'm, am I? Obviously, oh, that's a that's also a thing. Um, let's say you work for the big three. Let's say like you are at a Sony, a Warner, oh, or I, a Universal. I would be more worried about their socials because I can make them on the chart. You can basically. make them on the chart with your yeah. thing, but maybe if you were a smaller, you know, indie kind of label, you are like, uh, I don't really necessarily have all of the connections to make you high in the chart. So thank God you're already there. We can hopefully do that. But I have like 50 digital marketers who all work here so we can handle that. That's a pretty big indie. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I would say, um, I guess if you, uh, well, even, <laughs> even on that point, indie labels I've noticed too, are, are picky too. Like I, I think labels right now in general are just very picky because they have to, they have to just have numbers well, on every level. Especially in, you know, as we're going to our next topic with the pandemic in this investment period. Yeah. That everyone. Oh, you know, in 2020, I, I love that. 2020 wasn't, the, there wasn't anything going on. Our business was doing great. We just chose <laughs> we invested. to invest. Yeah. It was an investment <laughs> year. We took, a, we took a, a conscious decision to step back. And just really uh, right. look inward. We you know, Colin? It's like uh, it's like somebody who's like, we chose 
to move out of my parents' house. I wasn't <laughs> kicked out. We chose that. <laughs> and really close to home. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'd, no, no offense to anyone listening. <laughs> this is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment... Oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo play our second point as colin has beautifully uh, transitioned us into planning for pandemics so many leading scientists and experts have stated that covid is not a surprising occurrence as ecosystems shift with climate change allowing for there to be a more innate risk of future viruses to disrupt the world and its economies do you have any more fun facts for the yeah i know it's <laughs> it's so really light stuff right, right. So we've seen how this past year and a half has completely demolished the music industry. And as people in the music industry scrambled to get back into the swing, it makes you wonder, could we have handled this better? <laughs> and will we plan for the next one? So there's a couple things that we need to like look into. So first, let's analyze the industry's reaction during the pandemic. And these are kind of the four big things that we saw during the pandemic. So tour dates being canceled. Okay. Industry professionals being fired as many businesses liquidate and conserve money. Artists and their, t and their teams trying to figure out how to make money on the internet or even promote. 
and venues suffering as the pandemic is continuously drawn out and unable to receive federal aid or even charity aid in time. So there's about a million other things. Right. But Colin, do you think that the music industry will plan for the next pandemic? And if so, what kinds of things do you think would be important for the industry to focus on? So can I go down your points of like, yeah. a, okay. So a tour dates being canceled. I definitely think that will be planned for in the future. I think there will be more contingencies in terms of service, especially when it comes to tickets and refunding. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like not to be like bad, big business, but I feel like a lot of businesses uh, got in a chokehold of being like, if we don't refund these t- people's tickets, they are going to crucify us into the ground. Yeah. And so I feel like I could see a giant company like a Ticketmaster or an Eventbrite being like, just quietly writing in the terms of service. If this happens, then uh, we get to keep the ticket money. So, you know. <laughs> yeah. And, and so then I, you just click the check mark. Right. I could totally see that or some sort of thing where it's like, it probably wouldn't be that egregious it would probably be more like after 30 days if it cannot be can't if it cannot be open due to government regulate you know what i mean or something more legalese mm-hmm. so i feel like that'll be an uh, industry professionals being fired or i will also add furloughed uh from many businesses i feel like per, in my personal experience i was furloughed from my job with audio and stuff like that because i worked in touring mm-hmm. so i had a a very good experience with that uh they were very supportive they worked with me. That's not everybody's case. Yeah. Um, and so I feel like we have not hit the repercussions of that. And I've talked about this on the show a lot is touring and touring professionals and the ability for that clientele to come back. We have not hit the apex where I think we're getting to the point, especially now where these tours and shows, you know, that are all these arenas are booked up. Like we're going to talk about, but we haven't got to the point where it's like, oh, shit, this thing's in three weeks. We need somebody to mix. Well, all your mixers have been gone. They got a different job. They did this. They've been gone for a year. You're going to have to get somebody who's a little bit more not as experienced, and that might suffer for customers and stuff like that. I feel like if you see that happen, a lot of businesses are going to you know, pony up and understand yeah. that. Um, then we got artists and their teams trying to figure out how to make money on the internet or even promote that definitely has completely changed. Um, people are coming up with revenue streams that they had no idea before. And I would also like to add, I feel like everyone says that, but I would also like to importantly add people are remembering and noting income streams that they should have paid attention from this entire time. Yeah. Like what they should have been focusing on before. Right. Or at least had like some form of handle. I mean, we had our buddy Zach green from uh CSAC on here and we're talking about PROs and all these people basically coming up going, where's my PRO money. I heard there's this magic PRO money. Well, <laughs> it looks like you should have been keeping up with that for a while because yeah. it could be in a black box somewhere where, you know, or something like that. And so we've seen that. And then on the new front, we've seen, you know, Patreon is you know, catapulted a lot of artists up live streaming in general. The idea of, I could not imagine pointing to someone in 2019 and going, Hey, you should just do like a live stream set. They'd be like, why, why, why could I be like, I'd be making more money. Right. Playing Broadway, you know? Yeah, exactly. And so like, what's the point? And then last is venues suffering as the pandemic is continuously drawn out and not receiving federal aid. I think personally, this is probably the biggest one we will not learn from. Yeah. I think 
there are a lot of venues, especially with how this federal aid money has gone through, that will die, that will be closed, and we will just forget that happened, and people will just get new jobs, and they will go to either a different industry, or they'll collapse into different venues, or they'll start their own venues. But I don't think the general public or the government has really taken aback to the impact that it has happened. Like, obviously it's like, we're all suffering, but like specifically on venues, I feel like the general public hasn't really been like, Oh yeah. If your job is to attract people every day of your life, the pandemic and future viruses are going to really mess that up. Yeah. And so, yeah, I, I think that's probably out of your four points here. I think that's the one that is going to go down the drain. I agree. I think it also, venues are definitely taking note after this year of, of like, you know what? It, it's, it's one of those things where the arts is always underfunded. Right. It's always the last thing to get funded. And to, to come up with a way in order to leverage to get federal aid money in the future, I think is imperative. Um, but I agree with you. I think people, I honestly think the industry is going to forget this happened to a certain extent, especially if it's getting insane buzz. And if things go back to normal and we start having like very, very high earning years. Right. I think that, you know, the industry does that all the time. You know, they, they have, we have like these huge high energy, earning years and then they have a disruptor come in and they go well shit it's the disruptor's fault right. that i'm fucked up right now i you know i kind of agree with that and i kind of don't i think we've well, seen well i think in this case this was like this was out of it seems like control. for a lot of yeah it seems like for a lot of people it's more of like this happened but it's something and, that we need to learn from right and we and, and so like i feel i i completely agree is people have this mentality of this happened now it's over. You know what I mean? It's like, this was like a 1917 bird flu. And now, well, a hundred years from now, maybe we'll have another one that's that bad or something. Yeah. So like, it's very specific. I, that's the last really big pandemic. I feel like that hit America on a wide scale. So that's what I was saying. Huh. And so, uh, I did not know that. I yeah. Did not know. Fun. But we also teach social studies here. Yeah. At <laughs> um, but I guess going on of how the music industry now is coping with the pandemic, there's something that's very interesting. So we've all seen a bunch of, uh, I mean, concerts happening in our towns. We've all yeah. seen Vinny's booked up, sold out. You might even see some people announcing their tours. But guess what? Their arenas are all booked up. Yay. <laughs> so as more and more shows begin happening, arenas are in an awkward position as a traffic jam of artists have begun attempting to book more shows than the arenas can handle, making tour planning more difficult than it has been in previous years. So acts who have pushed dates out to next year are wanting slots before 2021 is up because they're seeing everybody is selling out their shows and, and making a bunch of money. And uh, and even setting some records. Um, so they're trying their best to just grab those dates and like push them up a little bit farther. You know, they'll, they'll take a pay cut, right, to get that date up higher. But many talent agents are having to navigate, having trouble also navigating COVID protocols depending on each state in their tours. So right now as a talent agent, you have this specific region. You have the northeastern region, right, that you're booking your talent for right. it. And you have to call up all these arenas and your artist decided, Hey, we're going to just book them for 2021. 
that's going to be it. And you got to come and you got to be like, hey, man, <laughs> he wants he wants to do it this year. Here's kind of our deal points. We're going to change uh, like, I don't know, we'll drop our our advance right to this amount of money or something. If you can get us in this slot and and we think we can sell out your show. Well, the venue has the awkward thing of saying, well, tough luck, buddy, because I got like 30 other people in front of you. So there's I'm, nothing much I can do for you. Right. And would then, you like a Thursday night? Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> would you like a Tuesday afternoon? Tuesday afternoon. <laughs> yeah. But this has also because this, this, I guess, traffic jam is also caused because many artists under Live Nation and AEG are expecting co- to go on tour and are even getting restless because like AEG and Live Nation can't book them. Right. So there's all these these artists that have these deals with these companies that are just like, why the fuck aren't I getting like booked on my tour? Like touring is happening right. now. You have my exclusive right for this. So. Yeah. And the promoters have to be like, dude, we can't. Like there's no way Sorry. we can do it. Yeah. And then some artists have even seen the trend and decided to hold off a bit before announcing tours due to the traffic. So they don't have to backtrack. So it's going to be really awkward if you come out and you say, hey, guys, guess what? We're doing We're shows. doing a national tour. It's going to be awesome. Here are the ticket links. Then next week you're like, hey, guys, guess what? <laughs> guess we, what? Uh, you, you know, eight out of those 10 dates that we decided to do. Gone. Yeah, they're gone. Right. <laughs> we, I, couldn't get them booked so here's here's my thing with it um there is a interesting thing that is happening here and it has to do with how i in my opinion how album cycles work when the covid started everyone and their mother and their manager said you go and make an album and guess what they did they made that album and they either released it during the pandemic or they saved it i see where you're going with this now what do you do? What is the point of an album? It is to do live shows it's now. To tour. <laughs> yes, it is. That's where your money is. So, all of these people now have this, and we'll get into recoupable money later, which will be fun. But uh, have this money sometimes from labels that they need to pay back, or people they need to actively pay back, like their producers or session musicians, and they need that money. And they need to get on the tour and they want to, as you, I can see you're trying to alliterate here, is hit that huge wave of demand because like we've kind of theorized and I think people are getting more into this mindset, everyone and their mother is going to be like, I want to go to a concert for about some period of time. If you can guess it correctly, you're going to be a millionaire. But that period of time will not last forever. It almost reminds me of how, like, you see pictures of, like, going back to our social studies. Thank you for our <laughs> educators here. Uh, is, like, after World War II, where you see, like, the pictures of people in New York kissing each other. That didn't happen for 10 years. That happened for a period of time. For a couple months, everyone was happy, you know, and then it waned. And so I feel like in the same way with this COVID stuff and opening up, and as everything gets more opened up and more vaccines... People are hoping they hit this wave because not only can they, you know, be recouped if they owe money, they can make a lot of money. Oh, yeah. Especially artists who are smaller. I mean, we've seen smaller artists in in Nashville 
getting sold out shows that might otherwise have not been sold out. Well, you know, and the funny part is, is that there's a plethora of venues that exist that have totally not gone under that can handle the infrastructure of this, which is another thing because, you know, if you can't get your arena show, you're going to go to the next best thing, which is a higher, bigger capacity club or amphitheater. You hope that might not be around anymore. Right. And you hope that you can go down and go, Hey, I'm a bigger person. Can you knock this down to your lower venue? Like if I trade with this guy, will you give them the lower venue? Oh, sorry. The lower venue is also booked. So you can't do that either. So like it doesn't work that way. And so it's real rough. In yeah. that. So this is going to be, this is I literally, if you did not pick up the phone fast enough, the literally sometimes days in between each other, you could be jeopardizing having a 2021 tour if you're a huge artist like that because of the logistics of it too the bigger you get the more time and planning you need yep so it's even worse yeah i mean talent agents really they like what they do is they book these tours usually in a normal market they'll book the tours like a year out usually like a year to six months is kind of the the range and now they've had to play a gambling game where it's like, I'm putting all my money on red. <laughs> oh, and then and, people have also already lost this game. There have been people who did this in, you know, who did this in July of last year. They said, we're putting all our money on red. And they go, because COVID's going to go away because it's the summertime. Mm-hmm. And they saw their colleagues lose. Yep. So they're, you know, in this pi- in this pickle where it's like, I think it's really back, guys. I think we're in it. I think we can do it. But it's also really scary and super competitive. So... I'm afraid who's going to get burned in this situation. I don't think it's going to be the arenas. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, no, I think the arenas are just fine. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cash back on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment Oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. 
if you dare. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350 plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo play colin what about sony music and royalties what, what are we about, about it today okay so i found this very interesting thing sony wants to basically forgive people who are unrecouped which i'll get into a moment basically unrecouped is where you owe money to your label usually back in the day it was for your you know your van halen you made a million dollar record well you owe sony a million dollars because you didn't have a million dollars in pocket to pay everything and all the studio costs. Mm -hmm. So when you go out and sell albums, guess who gets the money first? Sony does until you're recouped. And that's how historically it's worked. And obviously it's gotten worse as time has gotten by because with the collapse of how, you know, physical mediums are sold and all that stuff, they were like, okay, we'll take merch. We'll take, uh, your ticket sales. We'll take, uh, funding your tour. So it's gotten really, really, really rough. But a lot of these older artists were familiar with a mindset that was like, Oh, we'll give you $900,000 to do your studio album, your first album. No, that doesn't happen anymore. So some of these people are super unrecouped, mm-hmm. which means you owe money and they will not give you any money until then. Until Sony recently said, sent a letter or letter. Like it's like, oh, everybody, let's mail it. <laughs> it's no, stamped. I, yeah, right. <laughs> uh, email. Uh, they, I, it, it's called a letter, but I think it was through email. So the label will no longer apply existing unrecouped balances to earnings for eligible artists signed prior to the year 2000s or 2000 who have not received advances since 2000 <laughs> it applies this is the nuts part to me retroactively uh to january 1st 2021 the new real-time advance feature allows artists to receive instant advances on projected future earnings as well and this is available in the u.s and uk so you can go into the future basically they would like you know we think you're going to make four thousand dollars okay i'll take the money now nuts that's just nuts that they allow to do that <laughs> like um, in eight years from now like i don't know how like... far the the feature is they only said i i think they're like announcing this feature's existence hmm. and i feel like they're gonna roll it out slowly it'll probably be like in a beta or something to yeah some people uh they can also use an existing cash out feature to request a withdrawal of all or part of their payable balance each month as soon as it becomes available with no fees or charges. Hmm. So like you can cash out, you can get your money directly through Sony. Yeah. You don't have to do some stupid, oh, the check's coming, this is all, no, you can just get it, which is nuts. Yeah, so and, just to explain this again, Yeah. this is recoupable money, correct? Or is this- So this- this is actually still, if you're unrecouped, you could do this. Okay. So if you owed money to Sony, you could use this advanced feature to get future advances and also cash out and get the money directly to you. But you also, if you're recouped, 
I'm sure you can use these real advance. I'm sure they're more like recoup people. Please use this because you know we, we know want that you, you to make owe money. Us more money. Right. We know <laughs> you make money, so uh, we would love you to have a great experience with we Sony. We know you make money, and we want to make more Which money. Which Sony stated this was quote to be a true partner of the artists, supporting them in all stages of their career. Interesting. Except you know when they're post 2001 then you are not supported (laughs) that must have been a rough sell yeah hey uh we signed you in 2001 so good luck out there you still owe (laughs) us money um joe this is nuts to me first off um do we think let's go on the base do you think a recoup system is fair in the first place in terms of owing the label money and i'll say fair to artists just yeah. so you have an easier thing. I think um, I think t- it's hard. It's another it's okay. another hard one. It depends on the situation. You it depends on the situation. With. I would say that I have seen a lot of unfair recoupable things. Okay, I'll give you an example of this. If you this is a good watch. If you haven't, YouTube has a documentary about NSYNC. And the guy who ran NSYNC ran them dry, basically, because he recouped everything. He used to go, hey, we're going out to dinner tonight to like a Manhattan steakhouse. Mm -hmm. Everybody in their families is going out. And they would say, that's recoupable. He would pay for the whole thing. He wouldn't tell them. Just cold, man. (laughs) Yeah. And then they gave him a check for like $14 or something after working for like a year selling out stadiums. Uh, That's how bad recoupable can be. Yeah. Uh, recoupable can also be, you know, way less so at the end of the day. Well, this if, you, business if you're is a taking, smaller artist, generally you're not going to get a huge like million dollar recoupable amount. Yeah. That the, the days of those are kind of gone. Well, this is the thing that I, I think, I think the industry itself just has a problem with it's, it's a, it's a gambling game. It is right. Of like whether you're going to be successful or not. And, and this particular feature sounds, I'm a little, weird about it because it sounds a lot like you know they're going to get these little artists to come up and they're going to be like kid you're going to be great you're going to be awesome kid you're going to make a million dollars and you know what we'll go ahead and give you a million dollar advance because i know you're going to make it in like 20 years in the future man and then you know guy doesn't make a million dollars in fact he barely makes three thousand but now he is indebted for a million dollars well we hope that this happened in 1999 and not (laughs) 2001 but like for sony artists but like basically yeah i mean that's kind of how it was it's nuts to think about back in the day if you were like an amit erdogan or something and you would go up or like one of those older record level label executives and go here's six hundred thousand dollars do a first album are yeah. you kidding me? No, nobody does that as much anymore. I mean, it happens. Well, I've seen albums it. are so cheap to make now. Right. The cost has gone down. But what I what I think is interesting about this specifically is I think this is a tactic to, one, differentiate themselves from bigger three. So to have your catalog maybe represented by Sony and have also your artists have an incentive to be active in their marketing. Yeah. I think that's a huge deal because consumers are extremely smart. And so when you have, you know, artists, especially who are older and who are like legacy artists who are huge deals, but they go, I hate my fucking record company. Don't buy anything. You know what I mean? Or something like that. It's like, here, buy this CD that I made, my new CD or something. That can be a detractor from their business model. 
And there's no incentive for some of these older artists to do it because if you're so much in money, you know, in debt, like there's no way you're getting out of that hole. You yeah. know what I mean? You'll never like I could go on for day. I could go on a whole campaign of going across the country and promoting, you know, my old material and playing shows for my old material and stuff like that. And hoping I get more record sales and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, I'm still unrecouped. It's like that much money sometimes. Yeah. Um, and so I feel like that's, in my opinion, I think that's the strategy here is how do you, how do you motivate a salesman? You have to give him a commission. And this is kind of what I feel like it is. It's like, here's your commission. We'll just forgive this for now. You can get some advances if you uh, want to come with us and our publicity team, we'll get you on Good Morning America, you know, for your greatest hits album, and you'll actually make money on it. You know, that's kind of what I think this is for. Yeah. That's my theory. <laughs> <laughs> um, maybe somebody's going to come in here and have some crazy other theory. Uh, do you think uh, this could be a sweeping change? Maybe the other big three, maybe like a Warner Universal or an edge up for Sony? I think it's definitely an edge up. Um, I, I think uh, historically, I guess not historically, but I guess lately I would say Sony does a better job of the numbers game right? when it comes to paying artists and, or recouping money from artists. Uh, so depending on which edge you're on there. And that's valuable for the marketing, like I was saying, but that's also valuable as like a sentiment to younger people you're signing. Yeah. Is being exactly. like, we, look, we actually do care. We're the hip label. Right. In comparison to the other ones. Yeah. <laughs> right. So it's, uh, I think it's definitely a leg up, but I would cautious, I, I would caution anybody going, you know, I can't wait to get my, my check. Right. I you can't know? wait to be like, I need $900,000 to live a year. Can you give me a $900,000 yeah. advance? Because it's, if when in doubt, it's recouped. It's right. recoupable. And at the end of the day, I feel like answering the question of it's fair, it's definitely a system that can be completely abused. But, you know, if you went to a bank and you were like, give me a $600,000 loan to do an album, they would either laugh you out of the building or you would owe the craziest interest rate of your life. Yeah. Um. And so for some artists who want this grand vision or something like that, it's kind of worth going in here because it's almost like... And, people may be disgusted to hear it like this. It's almost like your label is your creditor, you know, but they're very, they're way more friendly than the people down there at the bank of America. Yeah. They're not going to you laugh you out of the building. <laughs> right. Exactly. Unless your music sucks, but <laughs> I mean, it could, it could, <laughs> but, uh, who knows? Uh, I think it definitely, I, I think this gives Sony a leg up in terms of future artists. Uh, the, if the real time advance feature can also be used with, you know, current catalog, that would also be huge. Yeah. Um, and then the cash out feature is also huge, especially if it's like, you know, you don't have to wait every quarter <laughs> or 90 days or something like that. Mm -hmm. They're going to be huge. So we'll have to see what happens with that. Uh, it's not like Sony doesn't have, I don't know, a multi-million dollar company that it uh, is under <laughs> technically. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think Sony's going to be just fine. I, yeah, I think they'll be fine. We'll, we'll see what happens with that. Joe, what have you been listening to? Well, Colin, I've been listening to, God, I, damn it. <laughs> I left my, uh, we're both not prepared. We did what we uh, do to our guests. Oh man. Um, I Hold left on. my phone over there, but uh, I can go. Can you, can you manifest? Can I manifest? Yeah. yeah I'm, I'm pulling it artist. up on this MacBook that won't right, go gotcha. slower. Uh, I've been listening to a lot of Kid Bloom. 
um, lately. His uh, his song Control, his newest single, as well as um, his single Holden Hold On, um, which I think I talked about on another episode, but it, it's just so good and catchy mm-hmm. that uh, I continue to listen to it. Oh, and you'll love God. me for this, Colin. Oh, God. I have been I don't like in that a intro. Deep vaporwave hole. Yes. And I, I just, I love Vaporwave. I really love Vaporwave when it was big. And I still listen to Vaporwave every once in a while. I'm not that like, it, it's almost like Vaporwave became like how emo was where I'm not super like into the, it, it, some people are going to think I'm talking like a, a different language. I'm not in that Simpsons Vaporwave hole <laughs> where like everyone's really depressed <laughs> and they're like contemplating yeah. life in the comments yeah, about like what's the existence like, of capitalism versus like, you know, life existence. And it's like, whoa, I'm like six steps back from that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Oh. Um, and then, you know, our boy Frank Ocean. Oh, yes. If he'll please come out with an album or something, please. We need it. It's Joe's plea. Yeah. Uh, I talked about last week. I was listening to Inside from Bo Burnham. He put it on streaming. I've been listening to that pretty constantly. But uh, I also have been listening to, here's random Colin, back in time albums. I've been listening to Bobby Brown, Don't Be Cruel. Hell yeah. From, I believe, I got to look up the year right now. It's from 1988. Amazing. This you, album cover. Okay, yeah. If you want to look up the album cover, you realize this man is pinnacle style. He's got that head tilt. So first off, uh, one of the reasons I mentioned New Jack Swing in the episode is because that Bobby Brown, who is from my other favorite band, New Edition, um, is a pioneer in the genre known as New Jack Swing. New Jack Swing has a very particular sound, and I would say it's derivative from like hip-hop and like rap but it has like kind of this weird um almost like slow jam kind of vibe to it at the same time you guys may know this album because of uh there's a couple songs my my prerogative and every little step most people know like every little step if you're gonna know every any of these songs but it's got this like strange uh mixture of the both and like the the performance is great and it's so catchy it also has disclaimer it has every demo instrument that's on like a default child's piano on it so i'm just (laughs) this is the album where like every weird sound you listen to like when you first get a keyboard and you're like hmm fm synth that's where this (laughs) album like sounds like which makes it sound cool because it's like the top of its game as opposed to like you just fooling around yeah um but yeah it's really good i really appreciate it i literally have been listening to a couple of these songs one by one throughout my life, but not realizing they're all from the same album. I remember I performed the song Roni in college and it was the weirdest thing. I played it for this class called commercial music ensemble. And this guy, we basically back up singers. So this guy comes out to play Roni and it's this very like sexual song. It's about like, you are my Roni. I don't even know what that means. (laughs) Yeah. What? (laughs) Uh, but like, I think it's like the girl's name, but like, uh, Anyway, we did this performance of this guy. He's fantastic. He sang it really well. And we get to the performance. We're like playing in this little concert hall thing. And uh, he starts playing. And uh, all of a sudden, this girl comes out from literally side stage with the boa on and starts doing basically mime choreography with him to the song. We had no idea. So I'm just like hitting the bass at the same time. And he's like (laughs) singing this song to the girl really sensually with this boa on. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on? 
<laughs> and <laughs> I, I, I literally like, I love the recorded version, but I don't think anything will be as good as watching that guy literally tell no one that he was going to bring his girlfriend on the stage. <laughs> oh, he, it was his girlfriend. Maybe not that far, but definitely they had an entanglement. <laughs> okay, gotcha. That sounds like you witnessed a historical event, Colin. It was it was something. <laughs> I don't know what it was. You would have to define it if you were there, but it was something. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for listening to the Biz Tape. We're here every week. You can follow us at Instagram, Facebook, Twitter at the Biz Tape, or email us thebiztapepodcast at gmail.com. You can also find us on YouTube where we have our beautiful faces, the Biz Tape Podcast. If you guys like the show, be sure to rate us, be sure to download us, and I don't know, be sure to tell your friends about it if you're into that sort of thing. Thanks for listening. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cashback on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350 plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote.